few of your prayer meetings, and uh, I thought, wow, things are happening, and I could feel in the worship, I thought, oh, I can sense there's uh, the cloud, a cloud the size of a man's hand, and, uh, you know, it's going to happen. I, I believe that it's going to happen. So it, it's lovely to be with you. I, I was um, delighted it wasn't last weekend because I was really keen to watch the, uh, the super final, of course, my team. <laughs> And um, my sister that I'd say with the other time, they don't watch any sport at all. The other one doesn't have Sky, so I knew I wouldn't be seeing it. So, so, so I'm very grateful in the right timing I was here this week. So, so it is so cool. So, Well, let's just pray, and then we'll just share together. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness and your love. And Lord, you know where each of us has come from today and this week, where we're at. And Lord, I just pray you'll speak to our hearts something that is really helpful That'll shift us forward in you. Lord, we pray your blessing on this church as well. Fulfill your purposes here in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the topic of my sermon this morning is something that I've made up. And I'm a little bit embarrassed by it. But then, fortunately, I found a Bible verse after I've made it up. Which was, it's really good, isn't it? And so, there it is. Oh, no, it's, there, it's coming there. Yeah. Beat and eat your giant. Wow, isn't that cool? What a, do you like that one? Hey, uh, you know, cannibalism is in the, you know, it, it is in the Bible, right? Who can tell me when was cannibalism first mentioned in the Bible? When 2 Corinthians 8 1. There you go, see? Got a proof text for everything. I just thought of that joke right now. I had heard it, so there you go. Spontaneous. So, beat and eat your giant. You know, these are the words that Caleb and Joshua spoke as they uh, gave the report about the promised land and the giants in the land. And they said, no, no, we, we can do this. God is with us. If he delights in us, we're going to overcome and they will be our bread. And so that is true. It is so true. And, you know, we all face giants and God wants you to win. He is you. He is not against you. He is inside of you if you've given your heart to him, and he will help you to overcome in life. Now, the giants that you may be facing or have faced could be very ugly with uh, big noses and warts and very green looking, and the obvious giants that are hard. It could be a, a financial setback. It could be a whole ministry thing that's just happened to you, or it, it could be just a health issue. They're the obvious giants, but, you know, there are pleasant giants that we face in life as well. You know, there can be a relationship that looks oh so right, but it's actually not. And uh, as I was just preparing for for this, I I thought of a case when I was at Teachers College and I was a a newly saved Christian, I met this girl, Glenda, Uh, she doesn't live in New Zealand now, and uh, I was so sure she was going to be the right one for me. And, uh, you know, we were both on fire, new Christians in, in God, and we were going on, and, you know, she thought the same, and um, I remember bringing her around to my family, and, um, and then my brother-in-law, who, who always had a, a, you know, always had a pint in his hand, said, how do, how do you know you get, she's the right one? And I said, oh, because God's told me. Well, you know, guess what? God hadn't told me, and, and, and this wasn't right, and it broke up, and I can remember driving out when I was teaching in Hoonhae, and I was driving out there, and I was saying, God, how can I ever trust you again? This has happened. This thing hasn't worked out. 
And I thought it was you. And I was so distraught and so upset. But looking back, you know, now happily married 37 years and going strong, um, I am so glad I never married Glenda. It would have been a, a disaster. She was a fiery redhead and I am... I'm very Irish, and I do have my moments, I have to say. And um, so it would never have worked. But, you know, that was a giant. If we had gone ahead and got married, that was a giant, I believe, that would have taken me out of the calling and the will of God for my life. Not every giant that comes your way is ugly. Some can be very, very, looking very nice, but they're actually not for you. So keep that in mind. But the one thing in common with all giants is they take you off track. They are there to harm you. And this morning we're looking at the story of David and Goliath, that well-known story. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming we all know the story. So, you know, David's a little guy, as a young guy, probably 16 or thereabouts. Goliath, a, a huge giant. And uh, everyone's afraid of fighting this giant. Let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You're welcome to look in your Bibles. We have some verses on the screen as well. Your giant is bigger than you are, and the giant won't go away. And here we have in 1 Samuel 17 verse 6, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. That's very tall. They think about nine feet tall. He was just an absolute giant. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. All this to say he was very big and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days and 40 nights. Now, you know, the giants that we face in life can be external you know, the other situation out there, or they can be internal. And, you know, another, if I may just share this, when I was at Teachers College, I was very newly saved, and I was going well, I was full of God's joy, it was amazing. And then something happened, and my attitudes began to sour. And I can't remember exactly what took place, but it really affected me as a new believer. And I was coming to church now, but not with the same spring in my step, not the same joy in my heart, but, but something had gone wrong. And, and I had this feeling inside me that wasn't happy and it, it began to develop and became a real sense of condemnation and I couldn't shake this. And it went on for several weeks. It went on for a really long time. I think it even went about three or four months and I was really, really struggling at this point, big time. It was a giant for me. I didn't quite know what to do with it at, at that stage in my life. You know, you don't always have a choice about a giant. A giant does not just go away. It says the Philistine drew near and came 40 days, morning and evening. And uh, you know, that giant in our lives is not going to go away. It's not going to go. You know, we hope it will. We'll put our head in the sand. But no, that giant will stay. And for me, that giant was just there. And I, I can remember getting really quite desperate. And I went um, to a, uh, a midnight meeting that we had here. Um, I'm not sure if you have them in Christchurch now, but we did back then. And I went to this meeting and I went forward for prayer and got prayer. And, and then not long after that, within a very short period of time, God spoke to me. And a really funny verse that I had never seen in my life before, and I came across it, is about locusts. You know, and it, it, I'll read it out to you, but you get the idea. What the chewing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust has left, the consuming locust has eaten. What on earth is this about locusts? And what God said to me, he just quickened that verse 
bam, into my heart. He said, hey, the devil is like a locust, and every bit of ground, every small bit of ground that you give away in your heart, the devil will take that ground. And if you give away more, he will take that ground, and he will just keep coming, Stephen, and he will just keep taking ground. And you need to never allow him to have entrance in your heart. You know, a giant doesn't normally start as a giant. A giant can often start very, very small. Some of the giants that you face today began as very small things in your past, as a child even. And God says to you, I want to help you to overcome. There is hope in Jesus Christ today. God has an answer and he has power and he can change your life. That's what the gospel is all about. It's about transforming lives. It's about bringing hope. It's about bringing healing. It's about bringing wholeness. And that is what God says. He tells us we are complete in him. That is our legal position in Christ. That's how God is the basis. He deals with us and then by his spirit, he begins to make what is a reality in heaven into our lives and so I had to make a decision right there I was going to face up to that thing and I dealt with it and I repented and I got right with God and it was solved it's never ever been an issue that I can think of I've got a really good friend of mine and um, he's he's from Christchurch and uh, we often talk rugby and we're both sports nuts and we talk about sport all the time but you know he he's been in and out of church in and out of church and um he, he, he's a really good guy and I really get on well with him. And we were chatting the other day and he's having a, he's having a, he's come, he's come back to church and he's, he's, he's come back to his wife again. And, you know, he'd had some real anger issues in his heart. And he said to me, he said, look, I'm finally facing up to the giants in my life. He said, it's the last thing I wanted to do. I've gone for counseling. I've gone for prayer. He's coming to church every week. But God is starting to heal him and set him free, heal that marriage and heal that family. You know, it can happen. Staying connected is a real key to victory. And we just look at our next slide there in verse 17, and we see this about David. It said, in uh, 1 Samuel 17, 17, then Jesse said to his son David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these 10 loaves. So David was far away from the battle where Goliath was over here and he was doing his thing and everyone was fearful and no one wanted to fight Goliath. And, and uh, Jesse uh, talks to his son David and says, take you know, this, this bread, this grain, these loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry also these 10 cheeses to the captain. So David rose early in the morning. He left the sheep with the keeper and he took the things and went as Jesse had commanded. I see here that David listened to his father. He cared for his brothers. He reached out to the captain of the guard. He put someone in charge of his sheep. David was a young man who was well connected. He had great support around his life. And that was, I believe, a key in the process that God used to prepare David to overcome the giant. A real key to overcoming your giant is to stay connected in your church. I absolutely believe this. I've, I guess I've passed it for so many years now, and I've just seen this repeatedly again and again. Those who stay connected to the church and get to church regularly are the ones who receive strength. They receive God working in their lives. They are the ones who receive the grace of God. You know, it's, it's a real sad thing. I've just seen it repeatedly that people face a situation and then they're not in church and they're just licking their wounds and they're hurt and that's understandable, but they've removed themselves from the grace that is there. That if they'd come back to the house of God and receive God's spirit and God's people and God's amazing grace coming upon them, 
God would help them through. It is a great key to remain connected. And I guess for me, it was most strongly illustrated once when our son, who's now 26, and when he was six, um, he was not feeling well. He had a, a really high temperature, and I was at work, and Debbie took him to the doctors. And at the doctors, they measured his temperature, and they just called for the ambulance, and bang, he was taken into hospital. And we're wondering what's going on. And then he gets to hospital uh, there at Starship, and they say, oh... He has a bone infection. And I'm thinking, wow, what is a bone? I've never heard of a bone infection. I'm obviously pretty ignorant. They do happen. I know that now. But it was relatively serious, and it was just as well he got there. So that night, that was a Tuesday, and that night we had life group on. Now, we could have, and I can't remember all that happened because we were there with plenty of support for Tim all throughout the whole thing. But we had life group on, and we chose to have life group that night despite this awful situation. And uh, we had six couples coming around that night. And can you believe it? They'd obviously talked. But every couple, as they walked in, came in with this lovely home-cooked meal. One after the other. And by the time the fifth and sixth came, I'm just blubbering and crying. Because we were just so vulnerable. And so, you know, just, it was just bigger than us. We didn't know what to do. But just the love and the care and the support from that, that, that small group, it was just meant such it gave us such strength to get through that time. It was just a wonderful thing. And, you know, if we'd chosen not to have group or withdraw or whatever it might be, we would have missed out receiving that strength. You know, God is able to bring strength to his people, through his people. He's able to bring strength. So keep connected to a, a small group that loves you and cares for you. I'm the small group pastor in our church, you can tell, can't you, right? You know, it is such a place of receiving strength, of growing in God, of studying the word together, praying for one another, flowing in the gifts, you know, being stirred to share our faith. There's a whole ton of things that could take place that are so good in a small group, and it was such a blessing to us. You know, I think of King Hezekiah. When Hezekiah was, uh, had the king from Assyria come and say, hey, we're gonna take you out, you know, he went straight to the prophet. He didn't just, we prayed first, and then he went straight to the prophet. He stayed connected, got an answer from God, got strength, and got his miracle, and beat that giant up. He really, really did. So connection is such a key. It's so vital. The next slide is, you will win because God prepares future victories with past battles. You know, where you've come from is, is really important. It says in the, Verse 34 to verse 37, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck it and killed it. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Wow, I tell you, what an attitude, eh? That is the attitude God wants us to have. Yeah, that giant is bigger than you. It's bigger than me, but it's not bigger than God. And God is in me, and God is with me. And the Lord our God in the midst of us is a mighty God. And he will prepare you, and he will help you from your past, from your past battles, from your past victories, and he will make sure you have 
victory in the future. God is all into winning. He's all into you doing well. He's 100% for you. And he will make sure that you overcome, providing that you just hold on to his hand because he will place his mighty arms around you to surround and to protect you and to look after you because he loves you dearly. He cares about you so much, so much. Oh, if he had to die again on the cross, he would do it today just for you. Just for you. Oh, the love of God that is just shed abroad in our hearts. And sometimes, isn't it true, we think about the wrong things and we don't focus on the love that Father God has for us. That's just so much there for us. And this is our God. And he's prepared you for where you are today just through the events of life that have taken place. Look over your past. God was preparing you then. I went with um, Pastor Tuck up to a place called Mariwa, um, which used to be a bit of a gang capital in, the North, in North, North Island. And um, he was speaking to a group of ministers and he shared this story, which I hadn't heard before. And he said that uh, just recently, a lady in our church who's very new came to him and she had this word of prophecy to share. And she, she was quite timid because she had had this word for six months and just sat on it to make sure I've got it right, I don't want to get it wrong, you know. And um, she said, uh, I, I saw you and Adrian in, in a period of time in your life, you were walking on the sand and you got to a point where, where you walked for about two years as you, your, your, your legs sunk into the sand so deeply and it was so hard for you. And the word that I get is that God, for what you're doing today and future, God prepared you at that time as you walked through the sand and it was so hard for you. Think of some of the struggles that you've been through. That's where God has been preparing you for future days. That was the battle back then. And you, you might have thought, oh, I didn't do very well then. You know, often you just limp through a trial and you just get through. But hey, God's got you anyway and he made sure you did. But it was preparing you, fashioning you, enlarging you so that you would rise up in greater faith and in greater strength and overcome. You know, God is amazing. You know, he knows the beginning from the end and he causes everything to work for good when we put our trust and our hope in him. My final slide this morning is wearing your own armor. Expect God to give supernatural intervention. It's quite an amazing story, this one, isn't it, with David? You know, um, how he actually overcame the giant. Wow, it was quite something. So just look at that slide for a minute, and I'll just take a wee drink of water here. So Saul clothed David with his armor. This is the king of all the troops of Israel that are lined up on one side of the valley, Philistines on the other. And uh, the king, Saul, says, and he puts a bronze helmet on his head. He clothes him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. But he said, I, hadn't, I haven't tested these. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these. I haven't tested them. I could imagine that the the big helmet was dropping down below his, his eyes and he couldn't even see out of it. And then David put his hand in his bag, taking out a stone and slung it at the Philistines, at the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and he killed him. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was... Um, 
pretty incredible story. Gets a bit more gory with a bit of a sword and a cutting off of the head and all that stuff. Wow. <laughs> what is it that gets you the victory? Your, your key to your victory still lies in your past. David had learnt to obviously throw a stone with great accuracy, but this was an amazing, this was supernatural accuracy here. This wasn't David. But David used the weapons that he had used in the past to get his victory. What are the weapons that you have used that God has helped you get through something? What is it? Just try and think, because it's worth identifying what those weapons are. Because you'll use them again and again and again, because they're living weapons. They, they'll, never, they'll never lose their power. I thought for myself, and I'm going to share my five smooth stones with you. Um, and these can change sometimes, but here they are at, at the moment in life for me. Number one for me is prayer and declaring the word. So that's one. I take, I, I take the word of God and I speak God's word over my situation. I do it every day. I face a range of things just like you do. And every day those things get hammered with God's word from my mouth. I take God's word and I declare it over my health, over my finances, over my ministry, over my family. I just go for it because I have seen repeatedly God work miracles again and again. It is wonderful. It just uh, it thrills my heart and amazes me. And so taking the word of God and declaring it. So I'm not just praying. I do pray a lot. But I take more than pray, I pray with the word of God and use its power as my prayer, reminding God what he has said in his word and I make sure the devil knows as well because God's word is, is almighty and all-powerful. Another one I do, and I know you're going to love this one and you'll probably want to start this today. I won't be. It's fasting. <laughs> fasting is a tough one. I remember the first time I ever fasted in my life as a Christian. I was in Christ, always happens in Christchurch, right? This is a happening place. And I didn't know anything about it. And I was really stupid. Do you know what I did? I fasted three days, no food, no water. And by the third day, I'm just so, like, I'm not there. I'm just out of it. I don't know what I was thinking, because you should never do that. That is really dumb. You can kill yourself, so do not do that, right? So, but I want to define fasting for you. Fasting is going without food. Now, I know you can have a fast from TV and a fast from this and that, but if you look at what Bible fasting is, it's without food. And Jesus didn't say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. So, as New Testament believers, God wants us to have the joy of fasting. I tell you, for me, fasting is the quickest way I get results. There's nothing faster than fasting. It's true. It's true. When I face really hard situations, I always go to fasting. I fast every week anyway. Every Thursday as a church, we fast. We fast. We have a pre-meeting Thursday night. We fast. But I'll do three days, seven longer, much longer fasts, you know, from time to time. And I remember I had a situation. I, I was in business. And uh, we'd had this third store open, and it was going great, but the guy at, who was there was not great, you know? And he's a Christian guy. And what do you do? You know, I'm a pastor. He knows I'm a pastor. So I, I can't fire the guy, right? No. <laughs> 
So I thought, man, this is so, he is so rude and so awful. He's so not nice, you know. And, I, and I, we put up with this for some, some months. But finally I thought, okay, that's it. I've had it. I am going to fast. Bring out the big weapons. So I began to fast. Guess what happens? He just comes out of the blue and says, Steve, he says, you're probably glad about this. He says, I'm leaving. Oh, are you? Oh, okay. <laughs> I tell you, if you want Quick answers, I tell you. Now, say you have a medical condition today. Well, obviously, you've got to be really careful, but you can still fast from something. Maybe it's your favorite dessert. There's always something you can go without in food. When you do that, the Bible says, I humbled my soul with fasting. When we, when we humble ourselves before God, what does the Bible say? God gives grace to the humble. If you want a download of God's grace, immediately fast. It is just so powerful. And I've done that just so many times. I know when my kids are growing up and they're great, great three uh, young men that love God and love us as parents, but I would fast and pray for my kids. I would fight for my family. Some of you parents, that's a word for you. Fight for your family. Love your kids, but behind the scenes, storm heaven, pray, cast out the devil, Fast, and you will see God move amazingly. Even grandparents do that as well. You know, these are weapons. We must not let them go because they are so powerful. And by and large, if you look across the church in New Zealand, fasting particularly has just been just gone by the wayside. But oh no, it's in the New Testament. It's there combined with prayer. Okay, so that, that are things that I do. And the third one, I have a commitment to a daily time with God. Never a day goes by when I'm not in with God in prayer and in his word. You know, drawing near to God. You just receive grace. You receive God at work. Vital as a, as a, uh, a weapon. Number four, a commitment to attend church each week. It's a great thing to do. It's a weapon I have personally practiced. I've seen God again and again. I've gone to church. I mean, I'm the pa I pastor, so I've got to be at church. But before I was a pastor, I was there as well. And sometimes I didn't want to go. But I went, and so many times God came through and brought just a word for me, an encouragement for me. Something took place, a song for me that just touched my heart, you know, just broke open some things there. God's grace will just fall upon you as you get to the house of God, I tell you. And the final one I've got here is sometimes simply putting one foot in front of the other. It's all you feel you can do. You know, I, I, I can't do anything flashy, God. I'm, I'm really struggling here, but I'll just get to, you know, whatever. I'll do what is right. And just doing that. Using these weapons, they are amazing. Um, some of you may know my wife, Debbie, and um, we'll be, you know, I met her at church, and she was extremely quiet, very quiet. And uh, we got engaged, and uh, I'd come back home, and I was staying with my mum and dad. And she came um, and stayed with us for, I'm not sure, two or three weeks. And my mum said, oh, wow, she's so quiet. Like, and uh, after we got married, a friend told me the story, that she'd invited Debbie over to her place when she was new at the church. And... Uh, they had her for a night, two or three girls, and Debbie there. And they, she said, Debbie spoke two words the whole night. I think it was hello and goodbye. That was it. So she's just, just all, really was very bound up with fear and, you know, I'm not good enough and all those kind of things. But over the years, this giant in her life, she has so smashed it. 
She has so whacked it out of the park. Just by every time she goes to the house of God or meets someone, she makes the effort to say, hi, how are you, and just chats. And uh, she, at, she said to me as the years went by, no, I, I'm gonna, I must keep going. I must beat this. And today, I mean, she's the ladies' group leader. She's got 12 groups under her. She, uh, she runs around and does this. and You would just never know her. You know, she's such a different person. How did she beat that giant of extreme shyness? It was simply by putting one foot in front of the other. Wherever you are, at today, the, I have to say the word I did feel as I was preparing this was sometimes the giant goes bang and it just crashes over. Sometimes it takes lots of little steps of just hammering away at that situation and bit by bit the giant's getting smaller and getting smaller and getting smaller and you're crushing it and you're overcoming and you're rising up. Don't allow yourself to be intimidated. Don't allow that giant to, to come and present and bellow before you. So, no, my God is greater. Giant, you may be bigger than me, but my God is bigger than you, and I'm going to rise up, and God is going to rise up inside of me, and we're going to conquer, and we're going to beat this thing. Whatever it may be, that it, it could be a ministry thing right now. You're saying, God, this is a giant, and I can't do this. And God says, yes, that's right. You can't do it, but I can. And greater is he who is in me than and he who is in the world. You know, the weapons of our warfare, they are not natural things. They are spiritual, and they will pull down strongholds. If you have unsafe family or friends or neighbors, don't give up. Keep hammering away in prayer. Keep hammering away in loving them and blessing them, and you will find that God will begin to rise on the scene. You know, that says the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Maybe it's a chronic condition of sickness, but our God is well able and keep asking for prayer and keep asking for prayer and don't allow your condition to define what you believe. Allow the word of God to be your, your answer in life because our God is true. Let every man be a liar and at the end of the day you will see that God is faithful to his word. All he wants us to do is come to him and offer him just a little and he will take that little and he will multiply it. It may be a little bit of faith this morning but God will come and breathe on that faith and multiply it. He will come on those finances and he will breathe on them. If you will come and offer to God the tithe just that like see 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 talk about giving to God is like seed and as we do that I say to God, God, as I'm doing that, I'm expecting you will multiply my seed and make it a great and mighty harvest. I haven't seen my harvest yet, but that's not stopping me giving, and that's not stopping me declaring, because I know that God will do this. So whatever it is that you're facing today, I want you to take heart and say, Father, what is one thing that I can do today, right now? What is one weapon I can apply to that situation? Perhaps for you, it's not a regular quiet time you think that's what you just felt God saying to you why don't you decide today to do that maybe it's just keeping on going for you one step in front of the other it could be just making sure Lord with your help I'm going to get to church every single week or it could be the weapon of fasting or taking the word of God in prayer, praying every day and declaring God's word in your situation. I believe God will say to us, 
Church of God, arise. People of God, arise. Don't allow fear. Don't allow intimidation to define you. Allow God's word to define you. God says you are complete in Christ. You're in Christ today. If you've received him as Savior, he makes you complete. He will outwork that by his spirit. We will see that giant fall. Can I have the band coming up, please? Thank you. Great, great words like no weapon formed against us will prosper. Every tongue that would rise against us in judgment we will condemn. Um, we'll have that one if we could, Holy Spirit. Is that okay, guys? It, uh, and as we just sing this for a, a moment now, as we sing this song, just um, say, Lord, Father, what is it? One thing, one thing that you want me to put into practice. Could we all stand as the team leaders for just a... Maybe just the, the chorus part. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Thank you. tonight do you know if you go to heaven or do you hope you go to heaven i talk to people on the streets and the malls all the time they almost always say well i hope because you know heaven will be a nice place but the bible tells us that god wants us to know he actually it's very clear he says his spirit will speak to our spirit we are children of god and so god wants you to know and, and the way to get to heaven it's not what you think it's not by being our good works because the Bible says the wages of sin is death so it's not by good works because the result of, it, of getting our wages the Bible says is death because God's standard of goodness is just so high it's just so so far above us it's not by coming to church and that's a good thing and don't stop it it's not by church church can't save you either so it's not good works and it's not church there's only one way to get to heaven and that's through a person the person's name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father but by me. So he is the only way. There is no other way. And this morning, he loves you dearly because he died on the cross for every person, including you. He died on the cross, cruel, horrible death, and he rose from the grave three days later. 
And this morning, he's knocking at the door of your heart and he says to you, can I come in? Will you let me? I've tried before. I'm trying again. This is your moment. If this morning you want to say to Jesus, yes, I want to receive you as my Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sins. Then I want you to just lift your hand up very quickly. I will see it. Yes, I see that hand down there. Thank you. That's a great decision. Is there somebody else you want to do this? You know, I feel that God's been talking to you and you haven't listened, but this is your moment and you don't know how long you've got. None of us know. We only have today. Really, that's it. If God is talking to you, He loves you dearly, He's reaching out to you, will you respond? Is there one, anyone else that will join this person who said yes? I'm not going to embarrass you. No, I see that hand. I think it's the same one. Thank you. Is there anyone else today? And you just know that God is gently talking to you, but He's talking to you. Would you say yes to Him? Why don't you lift your hand up to make sure that you know that your sins are forgiven and you're going to go to heaven. It's that simple making peace with God. I'm not going to go on much longer, but if you just feel God is talking to you, would you have the courage? You're amongst friends. We love you. We're for you. Most of all, God loves you. And most of all, He is for you. And if you will do that, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're going to pray a prayer out loud together and you can join with us. But if you want to do that, would you raise your hand? Would you would you raise your hand? Thank you. That's a great decision. Well done. Good on you. Brilliant. Really, really good. Anyone else this morning? We're almost out of time now. But this is such an important thing. It's the reason the church is on the earth. This is it. One, to become like Jesus. Two, is to share our faith. Anybody want to join these two that uh, would just say, yes, I want to make sure. God does two things. He forgives your sin comes and lives inside you by his spirit and he says I'm never going to leave you I'm never going to forsake you Okay, we're going to pray this prayer and I'm going to ask all the church please to say this prayer out loud after me with these ones that have raised their hands this morning let's just pray dear Lord Jesus I thank you that you love me and you died on the cross for me I ask you now to forgive all my sins wash me clean Make me your child. I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. Help me, Jesus, to live for you all the days of my life. Amen. Let's give these ones a mighty hand, eh? That's wonderful.